0: Hey, it's Whisk. You know what? Generally, I don't like scripted scripted content on podcasts, but you do a really good job with it. You, you read it well, and it sounds super good. Having said that, I'm curious to see what it's like when you go unscripted and just notes. I think you're going to do good both ways. I think it's just your personality and your nature that you will do good either way that you like it. So, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how it turns out turns out for you, and what you think of both ways doing it. So hopefully you let us know that. Happy new season. Happy gaming. Whisk out.
1: Hello, Rescuers. Welcome to our first Saturday episode in Season 4 of Roleplay Rescue. My name is Che Webster, and this is the podcast about finding a route back to playing tabletop role-playing games. The amazing... Ivy, the happy whisk there, at the top of the show. Thank you, Ivy, for the call-in. Always, always appreciated. I guess we're about to find out how going off script really feels. Today, I want to talk a little bit about what I've learned over the past six months since The Curse of the Flaky GM first aired back at the tail end of January. What I mean is, what have I learned as a GM? This is episode 402. Return of the Flaky GM.
0: Che, new listener here called um, Andy Goodman. I was listening to an episode, can't remember which one, where you um, talk about having open-ended player-driven narrative versus that controlled by the GM. And I tend to favour the latter. Um, I tend to find that it is hard to get these dramatic um, moments, these dramatic conclusions to stories if you haven't, to some extent, planned it out so that the um, high points and the low points are orchestrated in a in a really good way so that the game experience oop i guess andy got cut off there the one minute
1: limit is always a a tricky thing first of all thanks for calling in andy really great to hear from you and also nice to connect to you on facebook at least i think that's you um Second, don't be afraid if you run up against a one-minute limit to Paula Jackson and send in a second message, or even a third or a fourth. I can edit them all together with no problem whatsoever. That's a fine tradition here on Anchor, and and we really love it. Um, I kind of got the gist of what you were talking about, and I think you know this is just going to come down to uh, styles of play. And by that, I don't mean to be in the slightest bit dismissive. Personally... I don't care about the highs and lows of a story in the sense of trying to create a narrative which has those story beats, I guess, that so many gamers want to experience. I just don't care about that. I guess I'm more of a gamer uh, than I am a storyteller. The story for me emerges from the play and it has its natural highs and lows. And I'm not seeking to create any specific experience other than, you know, we're enjoying ourselves, having a good time, and doing the stuff that we're doing. That's a completely different stylistic approach to you, Andy. And I completely respect that. I think personally, I've done that in the past, I've tried to do that in the past, and I generally fail. And I've got to say, I just find the whole thing a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot less stressful when I stop trying to create something specific at the table. I'd actually far rather play the game with my mates and kind of see what emerges. And we call that emergent play in my circles. And I really recommend it. But that being said, as I've said twice already in this reply... I completely respect if you want to play a completely different way. I'm just glad that you're listening to the show, and I really do hope that even though we have a completely different stylistic approach, I really hope that you'll find something useful. Thanks for calling in. I really appreciate it, Andy. Game on! So who is this flaky GM? I think it helps to start out where I was back in Season 1, Episode 8, when we first aired The Curse of the Flaky GM. Back then, I was, well, a number of things really. Drained and very much exhausted on a game night. Felt awful a lot of the time. And often felt that it was easier to have, you know, another quiet night in with Deb, my wife, and watch TV than it was to run a game. I felt unprepared. I often felt like an imposter, actually, much more than just being unprepared, but actually not even worthy of this title, you know, Game Master. And finally, I had the curse of the butterfly. I drift from hobby project to hobby project. I find it really hard to settle on any one thing, and it frustrates the heck out of my players. Honestly, when I really reflect on it, the problem is that I am afraid. I'm afraid of screwing it up I'm afraid of the game not being fun I'm afraid of losing the respect of my friends And I'm afraid of making mistakes with the game rules I'm, mista- I'm afraid of so, so many things The list is probably endless or at least it feels that way I'm afraid So in the last six months what's changed? Has anything changed? Honestly, I don't think a lot has changed. If there's one thing that Roleplay Rescue has done for me, especially through doing the Game Master's Journal, it's exposed how my fear and how my flakiness really manifest in real time. You've all been able to hear it. Session after session after session. Me flip-flopping around and completely conflicted about what I'm going to run, how I'm going to run it, what I'm going to do. I think back to the solution I had in the curse of the flaky GM back six months ago. That game never got off the ground. Neither the one after it. Or the one after that. I think we're possibly four, maybe even five games on from where I was. It's even worse if you count it in the one-shots. The Games Master's Journal has exposed how my fear and flakiness manifest And also how I justify that flakiness to myself. How I rationalise it. But there is, I think, something pretty important that has begun to change in my hobby. The first question, of course, is why should you, the listener, care about my struggles? Honestly, if I'm gonna allow my inner voice to scream I really don't know why but actually when I think about it more logically there are some reasons that I'm doing this and I hope there's some reasons why you're listening first I I hope you're willing and able to learn from my mistakes I make a lot of mistakes and it would be really good if someone else could learn from them at least you know even if I'm not going to it's been said I think that you know A smart person learns from their own mistakes and a wise person learns from other people's mistakes. So if there's something you're getting from listening to me ramble on then that's a win. Secondly, I hope you find some useful suggestions for your own game. Over the last, what's it been, 60 odd episodes, I think there's been a lot of occasionally useful material and I'm hoping that you can mine it out and find what's good for you. At least, that's I keep hoping. I hope that you can also learn to be honest about the barriers that you face. I hope that hearing someone be honest about their troubles, about their barriers, that that will encourage you to be honest with yourself about yours and try and find solutions to them, try and overcome them. The reason I do this podcast is that I'm trying to form a community of gamers who are learning together, discovering how to be better together rather than, you know, being alone. And I hope that we're doing it in the spirit of accepting one another for who we are. Walks all. The biggest thing I'm learning is to be honest with myself. I think saying what I really think out loud was the first step. When Frank T got me started on the audio journal, looking back on it, it absolutely transformed me. Week by week, I'm recording little snippets of my experience as a GM. And when I look back on them, when I listen through them as I edit them together for the GM's journal episodes, that's when the patterns hit me. That's when I can see what I'm really doing. And I have to be honest, I would really recommend any GM to do the same. To grab yourself an audio recorder, many of them have got them on our phones, and then just listen back over those snippets on a regular basis. It has absolutely transformed the way I understand my own gaming. On top of that, I think being honest and realising that I'm not seeking the perfect game system, that actually I'm seeking a better game experience, that has been quite revolutionary. Listening to myself, I realise that, yeah, I keep flitting from game to game to game, and actually, a lot of the time, I don't really master any of them. It's kind of a curiosity It's kind of like an obsession with knowing what's out there and looking for something that's a little bit better or a little bit different or whatever. But it's coupled with this really destructive limit that I have myself in which I cannot actually steal something from one game and marry it with another very easily. I actually have found myself spending years and spending a fortune of money on trying to find that perfect game when actually... What I really need to be focused on is just making a better game experience. A better time for me, my friends at the table. And that means, in a lot of ways, stripping away all of the things that are unnecessary. I think finally, in terms of being honest, understanding that the biggest barrier I have to being a GM who enjoys gaming, that biggest barrier is pressure that I put on myself. And I'm thinking I'm learning to take that pressure off myself. I'm not trying to write a novel. I'm not trying to make a movie. I'm trying to create an environment in which my friends can have fun. An environment in which there's a chance that they'll have a good time. Because I've done my stuff. And if they bring their hopes, their ideas, their imagination and their energy to the table. I always know that we're going to have a good time. And it's not all on me. You know, the next thing I realised is that the game rules, they're not the game. If you're a regular listener, you've probably heard me say that before. But I really do mean it. I really do think it's a thing. Role-playing games operate around what I consider to be a triangle of elements. um, And those elements are the things with which players interact. By players, I mean not just the players who are role-playing characters, but also the GM. That triangle is made up of the elements of the game world, the game rules, and the game structure. The game world is the bit that the players are interacting with. It's the fiction. It's the bit that the GM has created and the players are creating together. It's never going to survive contact with gameplay. It's always going to have to change and morph and adapt. And I think that a GM is well advised to hold lightly to their world, to their fiction. I know that this is stylistically a difference and something that a lot of people disagree on, but I really do think that we are not trying to create a specific fictional outcome or event. I think we are better served in allowing play to emerge and fiction to emerge from that play. Secondly, there's the game rules. It's the bit that everybody really focuses on talking about um, it's the bit that is perhaps most easy to see. It's the bit that's sold as well. Game rules basically help us to adjudicate the decisions that players make when they roleplay their characters. Game rules are primarily, I believe, for the GM. They're the bit that gets written down and referred to when you need to figure out what happens when a player makes a decision. Role playing is about making those decisions but it's made exciting with mechanics that allow you to figure out how to adjudicate the outcome with a little bit of random chance thrown in. Finally, there's game structure, and it's the bit that's least talked about. Game structures give players maximum agency, but they also provide you with a default action and a default goal. What I mean is, if all else fails, The players know what to do. And secondly, they know what they're trying to achieve. I think the structure is usually not thought about in a conscious way by either GMs or players. And I think this is a massive mistake. The time I've spent in the last 60 episodes of Roleplay Rescue has taught me one major, major thing that I had never considered before. And that's that Game Structures Complete the Triangle. The third thing I've realised is that game master preparation, that doesn't need to be a burden. You can make life easier in the long term if you build a sandbox up front. Regular listeners know that I'm a big fan of sandbox play and I have to be honest, I've never really been able to do it much justice. Since starting to explore, write and record roleplay rescue episodes explaining this to other people i've made huge steps forward in understanding how to do it and how to do it well i've realized that you can maximize your limited prep time by basically stealing tools from all over the hobby community random tables other people's maps other people's magic items all sorts of ideas that can be mined from all of those countless books that you've got. And all those blogs and other anchor podcasts and podcasts generally that you're listening to. Mine it all. Make life easy for yourself by collecting together the stuff that works. Finally, you can allow yourself to improvise. You know, Within the natural boundaries of a game structure, you've got a nice safe place to go and improvise. Let's take a dungeon crawl, for example. If you have a dungeon map, that's a nice bounded territory within which to play. And your players can come to the table confident that you know what you're going to be doing. And you come to the table knowing that there's a space for them to explore. You might decide up front what some of the monsters will be, what some of the treasures will be. But if you allow yourself to bring some of those tools I mentioned about a second ago, some of those random tables to the table with you, you can allow yourself a little bit of freeform space. What I'm finding is, I improvise quite well as long as I feel confident. And so my prep just needs to get me to the table, feeling basically confident. Having a map, a rough idea of what's in the dungeon, and a few treasures already sort of sketched out, that's usually enough for me. And on the day, or on the night, of gaming, the rest flows. It's only taken me 22 episodes in which I've been researching and recording my thoughts on game theory and my thoughts on how to roleplay better for me to get where I am today. You know, it's only taken six months of Roleplay Rescue to get me there. But the biggest reason I'm feeling more positive today is because of doing that, because of this podcast. It's the support and the response of listeners that's been really, truly amazing. That's what's allowed me to grow the confidence I get from the cast has leaked into my moments at the gaming table, has made me feel more like a true game master, less like an imposter. All in all, as hard as it's been to mumble out these thoughts week by week, month by month, it has made a big difference. And so I guess what I'm saying is, don't be afraid as a GM to come with your best game, to come using all of the elements of the triangle. And finally, to come being honest with yourself. There have been a couple of points of difficulty. I'm just going to skim over these really quickly, but I do want to like call them out. Firstly, I totally failed to create an open table at home. You know an open table where people can turn up each week, grab a character and play a session and then go away without there being any fear of losing out on the ongoing plot or story. I think emergent play helps to make that more possible but the real goal of just running one session which is a complete entity on its own with no connection necessarily to the future or the past other than the character's own kind of ongoing story that's something that eludes me i had a lot more success with that when i was gaming at school perhaps limited time and constantly changing faces at school perhaps that forced me to provide a more contained offering and i had the most success with dungeon crawling and most specifically i found it easiest when i used a pre-written mega dungeon i have dipped my toe into running a mystery adventure it's been a lot of fun to do that but it was a lot of upfront prep. I've actually been largely unsuccessful in maintaining a hex crawl any length of time, although rather than it being the fault of the game structure, I think it, if I'm honest, that's more the fault of the group. We have, as a group, failed to pull that game together for any length of time. Honestly, I think it's important to learn to walk before you try to run. So here are some Tips. Try running the simplest and most successful game. That's the dungeon crawl. It is the best starting point. Secondly, go for a hex crawl as a natural extension of that dungeon crawl game, but recognise that it is a different type of game. A different game structure. Thirdly, go for running a mystery. That's arguably a richer challenge for everyone, both players and GM, but recognise it's more work up front. Overall, I recommend learning each game structure in turn and I recommend that you be patient with yourself. Going forward, I think I need to double back and recommit to the vision that I have for my gaming experience. I want to run an open table drop-in experience for my players. I want them to be able to come along week by week And not have to worry too much about whether they've got to catch up on the goings on last time. Or whether what they do today will have any value in the future. I want to run a game in which they can literally come to the table fresh, grab a character and get gaming. I also want to focus the campaign I run around the core game structures. I want to run a series of games that use those time tested approaches. role-playing i'm talking about a dungeon crawl going to specific locations and exploring a limited space map i'm talking about hex crawls which really are explorations of larger wilderness areas and finally i want to explore doing mysteries following the clues finding out who done it and bringing together the evidence The next thing I really want to do is provide myself with a large enough prepared sandbox that I can enjoy being the GM. Sandbox play is a lot of upfront work, but in the long term it gives me confidence, knowing that I can come to the table and there's a whole lot of stuff pretty much ready to go, and I can improvise the details. I want to allow the game experience to emerge from the playing of the game itself. I'm not interested in writing plots up front and railroading my players through, well, any kind of experience. Instead of offering a roller coaster, you know, with its predictable ups and downs and following all those story beats of the traditional narrative game, I actually want to provide a safari where the adventure and the excitement comes from actually not quite knowing where the adventure and excitement is coming from next. It's not staged. It's not corralled and organised it just emerges from us gaming around that table. I want to also be true to my own fantastic vision of the game world that I'm creating. I don't want to be limited by other people's expectations of genre or what is it or is not acceptable or even what this game I'm playing limits me to using. I want to steal from all over the hobby. I want to take ideas from every genre and I want to mash them up into my own vision of the world that we're playing in. Finally, I want to run the game system I honestly both enjoy and that I honestly want to master. I keep calling myself a game master and yet I've not mastered a single game in 30 odd years of playing. I mean, that's not to say I'm not experienced, it's not to say I'm not pretty good at understanding lots and lots of game rules. But have I ever truly mastered one game? Nah. I'm still very much the flaky GM. Perhaps I'm just a more self-aware flaky GM. While I do believe I can change, I have to recognise that change takes time. I'm unlikely to stop feeling drained and tired anytime soon. I mean, let's be honest, work is hard, life is challenging, and that's the same for everyone. It's actually a good thing to spend time with my wife, and I actually do need to keep doing those quiet nights in with her. And I love that time together. I'm likely to feel unprepared as a GM, but I can mitigate that, I suppose, with some effort and smart prep. I'm frequently going to feel like an imposter in front of my friends. There's no getting away from it. That's just part of my psychology. Perhaps the best antidote is remembering it's not all on me to kind of make the fun happen. Actually, my players need to bring with them the desire and the energy to make the fun happen too. We do it together. And I'm always going to be engaged by new things, the big shiny, shiny. Perhaps the best solution might be to reduce the attention I give to newness, buy less games, spend less time fuffing around on the web, more time actually prepping my game. Fewer new books and games, that'll save me money too. Focusing on the stuff I already own, that'll give me an appreciation for everything that I have. And if I steal like an artist, maybe I'll create something genuinely worth talking about genuinely worth turning up to play I don't know whether I can pull off a cool campaign with my friends but I am really keen to give it a go so folks that's about it for this episode I want to say a big thank you to the people who've called into the show today we heard from Ivy the Happy Whisk and from new listener Andy Goodman thank you both very very much I feel that messages are the best thing about Anchor Podcasting and I really do value every call in. Getting the notification is a big positive in my day and I really do listen to all of them, usually within minutes of seeing the notification. It probably sounds really sad, but I get a big kick out of the people taking the time to send a message. Please do share your thoughts by calling in. You can send one via the Anchor app or by hitting the link in the show notes. Roleplay Rescue is brought to you through the generous support of our Patreon Patrons. I'd like to thank all of the current supporters. You are also very important to me as a source of encouragement and positivity. A big welcome to the newest members of the Patreon community, Andrew Sutton and Reese Laundry. Many, many thanks, one and all. Finally, thanks for listening. It's really gratifying to see that you guys are still downloading the episodes and lending me your ears. Thank you. I hope you'll join me
0: again next time. Game on.